chapter fourteen of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fourteen charlie at warmouth after the departure of mrs bird to visit her sick friend betsy turned to charlie and bid him follow her into the kitchen i suppose you haven't been to breakfast said she in a patronizing manner if you haven't you are just in time as we will be done ours in a little while and then you can have yours charlie silently followed her down into the kitchen where a man-servant and the younger maid were already at breakfast the latter arose and was placing another plate upon the table when betsy frowned and nodded disapprovingly to her let him wait whispered she i'm not going to eat with niggers oh he's such a nice little fellow replied eliza in an undertone let him eat with us betsy here suggested to charlie that he had better go up to the maple chamber wash his face and take his things out of his trunk and that when his breakfast was ready she would call him what on earth can induce you to want to eat with a nigger asked betsy as soon as charlie was out of hearing i couldn't do it my victuals were turned on my stomach i never ate at the same table with a nigger in my life nor i neither rejoined eliza but i see no reason why i should not the child appears to have good manners he is neat and good-looking and because god has curled his hair more than he has ours and made his skin a little darker than yours or mine that is no reason we should treat him as if he was not a human being alfred the gardener had set down his saucer and appeared very much astonished at this declaration of sentiment on the part of eliza and sneeringly remarked you're an abolitionist i suppose no i'm not replied she reddening but i've been taught that god made all alike one no better than the other you know the bible says god is no respecter of persons well if it does rejoined alfred with a stolid look it don't say that man isn't to be either does it when i see anything in my bible that tells me i'm to eat and drink with niggers i'll do it and not before i suppose you think that all the slaves ought to be free and all the rest of the darn stuff these abolitionists are preaching now if you want to eat with the nigger you can nobody wants to hinder you perhaps he may marry you when he grows up don't you think you had better set your cap at him eliza made no reply to this low taunt but ate her breakfast in silence i don't see what mrs bird brought him here for she says he is sick had a broken arm or something i can't imagine what use she intends to make of him remarked betsy i don't think she intends him to be a servant here 
at any rate said eliza or why should she have him put in the maple chamber when there are empty rooms enough in the garret well i guess i know what she brought him for interposed alfred i asked her before she went away to get a little boy to help me do odd jobs now that reuben is about to leave we shall want a boy to clean the boots run on errands drive up the cows and do other little chores i'm glad he's a black boy i can order him round more you know than if he was white and he won't get his back up half as often either you may depend upon it that's what mrs bird has brought him here for the gardener having convinced himself that his view of the matter was the correct one went into the garden for his day's labour and two or three things that he had intended doing he left unfinished with the benevolent intention of setting charlie at them the next morning charlie after bathing his face and arranging his hair looked from the window at the wide expanse of country spread out before him all bright and glowing in the warm summer sunlight broad well-cultivated fields stretched away from the foot of the garden to the river beyond and the noise of the waterfall which was but a short distance off was distinctly heard and the sparkling spray was clearly visible through the openings of the trees what a beautiful place what grand fields to run in an orchard too full of blossoming fruit trees well this is nice exclaimed charlie as his eye ran over the prospect but in the midst of his rapture came rushing back upon him the remembrance of the cavalier treatment he had met with below stairs and he said with a sigh as the tears sprang to his eyes but it is not home after all just at this moment he heard his name called by betsy and he hastily descended into the kitchen at one end of the partially cleared table a clean plate of knife and fork had been placed and he was speedily helped to the remains of what the servants had been eating you mustn't be long said betsy for to-day is ironing day and we want the table as soon as possible the food was plentiful and good but charlie could not eat his heart was full and heavy the child felt his degradation even the servants refused to eat with me because i am coloured thought he oh i wish i was at home why don't you eat asked betsy i don't think i want any breakfast i'm not hungry was the reply i hope you are not sulky she rejoined we don't like sulky boys here why don't you eat she repeated the sharp cold tones of her voice struck a chill into the child's heart and his lip quivered as he stammered something farther about not being hungry and he hurried away into the garden where he calmed his feelings and allayed his homesickness by a hearty burst of tears after this was over he wandered through the garden and fields until dinner then by reading his book and by another walk he managed to get through the day the following morning as he was coming downstairs he was met by alfred who accosted him with oh you're up are you i was just going to call you 
and looking at charlie from head to foot he inquired is that your best suit no it's my worst replied charlie i have two suits better than this and thinking that mrs bird had arrived he continued i'll put on my best if mrs bird wants me no she ain't home was the reply it's me that wants you come down here i've got a little job for you take this said he handing him a dirty tow apron and tie it around your neck it will keep the blacking off your clothes you know now continued he i want you to clean these boots these two pairs are mr tyndall's them you need not be particular with but this pair is mine and i want em polished up high now mind i tell you i'm going to wear a new pair of pants to meetin to-morrow and i expect to cut a dash so you'll do em up slick now won't you i'll do my best said charlie who although he did not dislike work could not relish the idea of cleaning the servant's boots i'm afraid i shall find this a queer place thought he i shall not like living here i know wait for my meals until the servants have finished and clean their boots into the bargain this is worse than being with mrs thomas charlie however went at it with a will and was busily engaged in putting the finishing touches on alfred's boots when he heard his name called and on looking up saw mrs bird upon the piazza above why bless me child what are you about whose boots are those and why are you cleaning them oh he replied his face brightening up at the sight of mrs bird i'm so glad you're come those are mr tyndall's boots and these he continued holding up the boots on which he was engaged are the gardener's and who pray instructed you to clean them the gardener replied charlie he did did he said mrs bird indignantly very well now do you take off that apron and come to me immediately before you do however tell alfred i want him charlie quickly divested himself of the tow apron and after having informed the gardener that mrs bird desired his presence in the parlour he ran up there himself alfred came lumbering upstairs after giving his boots an unusual scraping and cleansing preparatory to entering upon that part of the premises which to him was generally forbidden ground by whose direction did you set the child at that dirty work asked mrs bird after he had entered the room i hadn't anybody's direction to set him to work but i thought you brought him here to do odd jobs you know ma'am i asked you some time ago to get a boy and i thought this was the one and if he had been you would have taken a great liberty in assigning him any duties without first consulting me but he is not a servant here nor do i intend him to be such and let me inform you that instead of his cleaning your boots it will be your duty henceforth to clean his now continued she you know his position here let me see that you remember yours you can go this was said in so peremptory a manner as to leave no room for discussion or rejoinder and alfred with a chagrined look went muttering downstairs 
things have come to a pretty pass grumbled he i'm to wait on niggers black their boots and drive them out too i suppose i'd leave at once if it wasn't such a good situation drat the old picture what has come over her i wonder she'll be asking old aunt charity the black washerwoman to dine with her next she has either gone crazy or turned abolitionist i don't know which something has happened to her that's certain now charlie said mrs bird as the door closed upon the crestfallen gardener go to your room and dress yourself nicely after i've eaten my breakfast i'm going to visit a friend and i want you to accompany me don't be long can't i eat mine first mrs bird he asked in reply i thought you had had yours long ago rejoined she the others hadn't finished theirs when you called me and i don't get mine until they have done said charlie until they have done how happens that asked mrs bird i think they don't like to eat with me because i'm colored was charlie's hesitating reply that is too much exclaimed mrs bird if it were not so very ridiculous i should be angry it remains for me then continued she to set them an example i've not eaten my breakfast yet come sit down with me and we'll have it together charlie followed mrs bird into the breakfast-room and took the seat pointed out by her eliza when she entered with the tea-urn opened her eyes wide with astonishment at the singular spectacle she beheld her mistress sitting down to breakfast vis-a-vis to a little colored boy depositing the urn upon the table she hastened back to the kitchen to report upon the startling events that were occurring in the breakfast-room well i never said she that beats anything i ever did see why mrs bird must have turned abolitionist charlie is actually sitting at the same table with her eating his breakfast as natural and unconcerned as if he was as white as snow wonders never will cease you see i'm right though i said that child wasn't brought here for a servant we've done it for ourselves now only think how mad she'll be when she finds he was made to wait for his meals until we have done i'm glad i wasn't the one who refused to eat with him i guess she has been giving alfred a blowing up said betsy for setting him at boot cleaning for he looked like a thundercloud when he came downstairs and was muttering something about a consarned pet nigger he looked anything but pleased whilst the lower powers were discussing what they were pleased to regard as an evidence of some mental derangement on the part of mrs bird that lady was questioning charlie respecting his studies and inquired if he would like to go to school in warmouth after a while i think i should he replied but for a week i'd like to be free to run about the fields and go fishing and do lots of things this is such a pretty place and now that you have come i shall have nice times i know i shall you seem to have great confidence in my ability to make you happy how do you know that i am as kind as you seem to suppose asked mrs bird with a smile i know you are answered charlie confidently you speak so pleasantly to me and do you know mrs bird continued he 
that i liked you from the first day when you praised me so kindly when i recited my lessons before you did you ever have any little boys of your own a change immediately came over the countenance of mrs bird as she replied oh yes charlie a sweet good boy about your own age and the tears stood in her eyes as she continued he accompanied his father to england years ago the ship in which they sailed was never heard of his name was charlie too i didn't know that or i should not have asked said charlie with some embarrassment of manner caused by the pain he saw he had inflicted i'm very sorry he continued mrs bird motioned him to finish his breakfast and left the table without drinking the tea she had poured out for herself there were but one or two families of colored people living in the small town of warmouth and they of a very humble description their faces were familiar to all the inhabitants and their appearance was in accordance with their humble condition therefore when charlie made his debut in company with mrs bird his dress and manners differed so greatly from what they were accustomed to associate with persons of his complexion that he created quite a sensation in the streets of the usually quiet and obscure little town he was attired with great neatness not having an opportunity of playing marbles in his new suit it still maintained its spotless appearance the fine grey broadcloth coat and pants fitted him to a nicety the jaunty cap was set slightly on one side of his head giving him a somewhat saucy look and the fresh colour now returning to his cheeks imparted to his face a much healthier appearance than it had worn for months he and his kind friend walked on together for some time chatting about the various things that attracted their attention on the way until they reached a cottage in the garden of which a gentleman was busily engaged in training a rose-bush upon a new trellis so completely was he occupied with his pursuit that he did not observe the entrance of visitors and quite started when he was gently tapped upon the shoulder by mrs bird how busy we are said she gaily at the same time extending her hand so deeply engaged that we can scarcely notice old friends that we have not seen for months indeed this is a pleasant surprise he remarked when he saw by whom he had been interrupted when did you arrive only this morning and as usual i have already found something with which to bore you you know mr waitley always have something to trouble you about don't say trouble my dear mrs bird if you will say give me something to occupy my time usefully and agreeably you will come much nearer the mark but who is this you have with you oh a little protege of mine poor little fellow he met with a sad accident recently he broke his arm and i have brought him down here to recruit charlie walk around and look at the garden i have a little matter of business to discuss with mr waitley and when we shall have finished i will call you mr waitley led the way into his library and placing a seat for mrs bird awaited her communication you have great influence with the teacher of the academy i believe said she a little replied mr waitley smiling not a little rejoined mrs bird but a great deal 
and my dear mr waitley i want you to exercise it in my behalf i wish to enter as a scholar that little boy i brought with me this morning impossible said mr waitley my good friend the boy is coloured i am well aware of that continued mrs bird if he were not there would not be the least trouble about his admission nor am i sure there will be as it is if you espouse his cause one who has been such a benefactor to the academy as yourself could i suppose accomplish anything yes but that is stretching my influence unduly i would be willing to oblige you in almost anything else but i hesitate to attempt this why not send him to the public school they have a separate bench for black children he can be taught there all that is necessary for him to know he is far in advance of any of the scholars there i attended the examination of the school to which he was attached said mrs bird and i was very much surprised at the acquirements of the pupils this lad was distinguished above all the rest he answered questions that would have puzzled older heads with the greatest facility i am exceedingly anxious to get him admitted to the academy as i am confident he will do honour to the interest i take in him and the very warm interest it must be my dear mrs bird to induce you to attempt placing him in such an expensive and exclusive school i am very much afraid you will have to give it up many of the scholars parents i am sure will object strenuously to the admission of a coloured boy as a scholar only tell me that you will propose him and i will risk the refusal replied mrs bird it can be tried at all events and if you will make the effort i shall be under deep obligations to you well mrs bird let us grant him admitted what benefit can accrue to the lad from an education beyond his station he cannot enter into any of the learned professions both whilst he is there and after his education is finished he will be like a fish out of water you must pardon me if i say i think in this case your benevolence misdirected the boy's parents are poor i presume they certainly are not rich rejoined mrs bird and it is for that reason i wish to do all that i can for him if i can keep him with me and give him a good education it may be greatly for his advantage there may be a great change in public sentiment before he is a man we cannot say what opening there may be for him in the future not unless it changes very much i never knew prejudice more rampant than it is at this hour to get the boy admitted as a right is totally out of the question if he is received at all it will be as a special favour and a favour which i am sure it will require all my influence to obtain i will set about it immediately and rely upon it i will do my best for your protege satisfied with the promise which was as much as mrs bird had dared to hope for she called charlie then shook hands with mr waitley and departed End of chapter 14